Welcome back to 709 Meridian, an audio commentary podcast. We are your hosts, D and Andrew. Hello. And we're back with the second half of our recent entry of the Summer of Duologies. Here is 1989 summer classic Ghostbusters 2. We were just talking about 1989 as the summer of sequels, and we were trying to think yeah. of all the sequels. Um, and Ghostbusters, a lot. Ghostbusters actually made it into the top 10. Now, uh-huh. we're actually going to go through the summer because I think we need to contextualize. There has not been a year like there's there's this infamous uh, 1939 is like the primo old Hollywood year. Um, yeah. There's a problem with that because Gone with the Wind's in there, but <laughs> we can uh-huh. talk. That's, that's not our podcast. But um, no. there's a bunch of Gunga Dins in there too, right? Like so, yep. I, right? So I mean, there there are things uh, on a range, but there's also just a bunch of really good stuff too. 1989, very similarly, is kind of the year that the idea of blockbusters, yeah, franchises, consumed the world or pretend. Yes, the idea of potential franchises. Um, we hadn't really gotten into the 90s yet, so nobody knew what they were going to be like. But here's what we've got. May 5 to September 4. I'm looking at box office mojo. Number one, Batman. Number two, Indiana Jones 3. Number three, Lethal Weapon 2. Number four, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Number five, Ghostbusters. That was a surprise hit. Yep. That was a surprise hit because that was that sweet spot where Disney was finally able to appeal to sort of the tween boy audience. Yeah. And like, we didn't call it that. And tween is a little bit of a weird term, but that this is the the 11 to 13. Once it became clear, those kids were going to go see movies without parents um, in the 80s. Disney. Yeah. After Honey, I Thought the Kids, Disney was all in. It started kind of with uh, Roger Rabbit. Yeah. And then Honey, I Shrunk the Kids dropped. And it was like, yeah, this is where we could, the parents could just drop their kids off. off. And they fucked it up with the second one of those, which I still don't know if I've seen. Um, Blew up the kid. Blew up the baby or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But, um, I mean, they've been trying this since basically since Black Hole, right? Like they just never could figure out the formula Tron. And right. their, their eventual solution to this was to buy Star Wars. The problem with that is, is it came with a bunch of 45-year-old bros. Um, yep. Okay, so except they're older now. We're on the young end of that. Thank, thank oh, God. Yeah. Though not the yeah. youngest, sadly, because then you have your prequel apologist. But anyway, so then... All of those movies I just mentioned made over a hundred million. So Ghostbusters 2 made 110 million in the summer. That was pretty good, right? Like the next thing was Dead Poets at 85, When Harry Look. Met Sally at 65, Parenthood, Field of Dreams. We're now dropping into the non-blockbuster territory. But remember when that shit was like the hit movie? So yeah, we used to have two <laughs> tiers. Now we have blockbusters. And we have hits, or we used to have blockbusters and hits, and everything became a blockbuster. But for a long time, there were just like cool hits, 
and uncool hits. Dead Poets Back Society. Like Forty eight hours. Still not. Forty eight hours. That shit was a hit. You were you were limited in how big of a hit you could be. Well, also because I'm just looking at it because the amount of theaters you played in, right? Like Batman and Indiana Jones played in over 2,200 theaters. Ghostbusters two takes the cake at 2,400. But something like yeah. Dead Poets and Harry Met Sally, that's 1,100 theaters. So this is the other thing with scarcity back then. You could make things hits by leaving them in the theater longer and putting them in certain places. So like Parenthood was a hit because you basically just got middle and upper middle class white people to watch it. And that was its target audience. And they fell in love with Steve Martin. Um, Mm -hmm. Field of Dreams had a bit more like universal appeal, but it was still pretty white. and. Field of Dreams, 1100, you play in the flyover states in 1989, you're playing at one megaplex per county, basically. Um, Then there was Star Trek V, which was an infamous bomb at 52 million. Karate Kid 3, License (laughs) to Kill. Now, now we're into the underperformers, right? Those are, all three of those are considered bomb. Um, We've got... Friday thirteenth okay. dream or no Friday thirteenth Jason Dude. takes Manhattan. Hold on. Okay. That shit was scary, man. All right, I'll turn it off. That shit was scary too. Hold on. Wait, was you that scary? Just watch it, right? Was it as scary <laughs> as? Ah. All right, I'll turn off. No, now you look like you're in the rock with you video. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday thirteenth. Uh, neither of those did very well, but. Think it, okay, so Friday the 13th made 15-ish million. Nightmare on Elm Street made like 18. Those were the bombs that led to like Jason dying off, right, from Paramount. And yeah, them and deciding to wrap up. up Freddy. Like, they basically just needed to make another 5 million and they would have been fine. Yeah. But shit like that didn't happen back then. It's so weird. Um, okay, so then... Let's see. Um, Fright Night 2 was a big bomb. Uh, Listen to our Fright Night 2 episode. Very good. Also, uh, movie's very good. Also, the reason Fright Night 2 bombed was because of distribution problems. Yeah, it didn't get out. Yeah, it got an incomplete. We can't actually say that it went wrong like that. Uh, House 3. video hit, though. When it finally got there, yeah. House 3 also came out. Eddie and the Cruisers 2. Eddie Lives. Eddie Lives. We should do those. I've never seen those. I hear they're terrible. Um, yeah, the and first one's all right. The first one's all right? All right. first one's and, all right. Because the second one just takes place in Canada. They just embrace Yeah, the second one's shit. just like, they're we, just we like, got this title. We just are in Toronto, bitches. Um, we're in Toronto. <laughs> but what wasn't on that list? What did I see in the theater? That name of that fucking Chicagoland theater that closed in the early 90s with the beautiful interiors. And I wish I remember. Court. Was it? No, that was the one we no. went to. That was yeah, that yeah. big one. No, no, no. There yeah. was another one on the north side where I saw Honey, oh. I Shrunk the Kids. It was a second run, but also had weird stuff. But it 400? Had a, no, wasn't the 400. No. Nope. I'll find it Adelphi. Wasn't the Adelphi. Adelphi stayed open. Dream. And it yeah. stayed open. This wasn't like, I don't think the screen was good, but the lobby was like the classical wow. lobby. Return Could of Swamp been... Thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Couldn't have been the Granada because Granada was long closed by. I think I would yeah. remember the name Granada. I feel like yeah. it has an L in it. I'll find it mm. someday. There was a period where the Chicago Tribune Wait, had Lincolnwood, their... not the Lincolnwood, no, not the Lincolnwood. No. <laughs> no, shit. Okay, uh, all of this is to say that Ghostbusters Two came out in a very packed thing. It had it was it was Bill Murray's sort of return to the movies. He hadn't really been in much since. Uh, Razor's Edge bombed. He did Scrooge. That was his first comeback. He sort of yeah, let himself had, become had a, a uh, video hit. He was a special guest star in um, Little Shop of Horrors. That's right. And Little Shop was really that helped him too because that also was a video hit as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, he really getting back out there, he did a good job with it. Um, and, you know, that's why we have the bill murray we have today like but he didn't yeah. like jump on a fucking couch or something he just got pissy when his movie didn't do well he just had a nice comeback mm-hmm. um but at this point dan Aykroyd had already be he dan Aykroyd was sort he shouldn't have been fizzling because dragnet was 87 no. but the problem yeah. is dan Aykroyd made like four movies a year and if you were lucky, they refused to go away, and they were hit or miss. One of them was good, and yeah. otherwise they were shitty. Like yeah. Dan Aykroyd made some people didn't get shitty him. movies, and they just didn't get him. Like yeah, and he had some. We- there's like the and this is you know um, there's this comedy movement of the eighties. This sort of look at. Um, Joe versus the volcano, a bunch of the SCTV stuff. There's a bunch of this stuff that has sort of gotten forgotten in time and sort of written off as like a Eugene Levy artistic endeavor. Um, Right. And then there was the resurgence of um, John Candy got big. Right. In the 80s. John Candy was big. But John Candy. Breakout of those guys. Yeah, he was the breakout because he just made like he made more accessible movies like these other guys they over directed things like that and it was um, like character vehicles for them like yeah fucking, it was really weird. i love dr detroit but that shit was just like <laughs> it, yes you were like selling yourself out <laughs> except not on a tv show right like you were just right sold yourself and this is what things used to be like and we've I thought we would get back there more with streaming and we really have it. Like, I really just think you should just have somebody who's on your streaming network and Netflix makes four movies with you, right? Like they do that with Adam Sandler, but that's because you can't let Adam Sandler speak in public anymore um, to promote <laughs> his comedies. His movies, so, yeah. you know, but he still makes movies, you know, he makes his fucking shattered glass or whatever um, rare gems. So he doesn't make his star vehicles with those guys, but like people were just trying to be movie stars in the eighties. It was really weird. And Dan Aykroyd had, by this time it was clear Dan Aykroyd had failed. And yeah, he was only good with, he had to be paired up with somebody. He needed a a partner and he needed, and even though when Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks made Dragnet, uh, Tom Hanks was the wild man and Dan Aykroyd yeah. was the straight man. Like that dynamic of 
Hanks taking that movie away from Dan Aykroyd is really what put Dan Aykroyd into the position he wouldn't accept until like and, sneakers. Like, yeah, and he he kind of got lost. You never got to know Dan Aykroyd. No, because as he did a personality, it, he it, he got lost in his characters. So, you know, even with uh, something like Trading Places, he's good in that, but he's yeah clearly playing a character. He's playing like, Arthur, right? Like, yeah. He's he's a character in that. So, and that did not help him. It it worked fine for Bill Murray because, you know, secretly everybody sort of knew they didn't want to get to know Bill Murray. But, (laughs) like, Harold Ramis at some point in this will just, like, sort of mug for the camera because he's like, hey, you guys like me. I'm Harold Ramis. I'm going to direct some movie. Right? Like, um, so, yeah, it's just a very weird... Uh, time to do this sort of mega quill, especially since Sigourney Weaver, who gets third billing here, which must have been some negotiating on Dan Aykroyd's agent's part. Um, she was just uh, you know, coming off of Aliens. He's he's known for being a good guy, so I would think that is true. He didn't care. He, he I don't that think he cared, but she, he, and he probably understood anyways. But you know, so we will. There's going to be lots to discuss with the real Ghostbusters cartoon, which had gotten popular. And I double checked. Sony did tell Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis to adapt the script to fit real Ghostbusters shit. Um, (laughs) We will see what should be an uncredited cameo by Rick Moranis. Um, And we (laughs) will see Peter McNichol, um, me hating Peter McNichol, viscerally. There we go um so yeah let's do we all right let's do we starting in three two one play so let's see the old columbia logo the old columbia logo still and this okay everybody i watched this two days ago for the first time in 20 some years so now that was in something else right uh whatever it was was it it wasn't it was it aliens no they just say aliens had its own little yeah it had its own little text going at the beginning all right here we go Dana Barrett in New York pushing a stroller. Is it Peter Venkman's baby? But also it's a very different New York. Like they film, they're not yeah, filming at landmarks. They're filming uh-uh. on like some very obvious well done street. Like this is yeah. the street where you filmed shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um the music is by Mr. Randy Edelman, and it is quite bad. Wow. Yeah. Um, nope. It's not. It's not Elmer Bernstein. So it's yeah. not Elmer Bernstein, and there will. You're going to get to. He just. He starts phoning it in at some point. Although I uh, do kind of like the bit at the end, though. Well, 
there are moments, but overall, yeah, there's moments, it is not Elmer yeah, Bernstein. It's it's not uh, it's nothing unique to no. Randy what would be Elman, a Ghostbuster? No, yeah, he was he was a scorer for hire. Yeah, I think he did the music for like the Chipmunk Adventure. So yeah, I don't even I don't know if Randy Edelman ever had a great score. Um, oh, okay. Let me just dig out the thingy here. Oh, um, product placement in this one. Just buckle up. It's got more product placement than I think you've ever seen. Like we just missed getting hit by a bus. Oh, something's afoot. Somebody get me the Ghostbusters. Okay, Randy Edelman. <laughs> Jesus. What? Okay, so I've got this app uh, called Call Sheet that puts shit together, like, but it also puts the age people are when they do stuff, which huh. is both wild and sad. So between yeah. the age of 71 and 72, Randy Edelman did the score for Backdraft 2. Ugh. Max 2. The Boy oh, Next look what Door. we have here. Yep. It's Mary Ellen Trainer again. We are going to run it. You know, somebody should just do a podcast about <laughs> Mary Ellen. Mary Ellen Trainer should just do a podcast, but as a bit. Or something. Um, she can't well, be that funny because she's married to Zemeckis. But, but like she, she, she's she's unable to do that now. Is Mary Ellen Trainer dead? Mary Ellen Trainer is gone from us. Yes. God damn it! Okay. <laughs> it took me to by surprise too. A great start, everyone. Um, <laughs> oh, and we just saw Max. Uh, no, that's not Max. Kid Reitman. Okay, no, not Max Landis, but Kid Reitman. Okay, Joseph Reitman. Uh, yeah, oh. the director. Yeah. Okay. He's the kid who goes and tells him his dad says they're full of crap. Yeah, I'm pretty and sure. We also have Ernie Hudson here yeah. early in the movie. What sucks about this is, is this sets up Winston as being around. Then he's not. And then when he comes back, he's just around to dump exposition. Like, at some point during this movie, and it's not even necessarily bad. This movie doesn't get bad, bad until the third act. But at some point in the second act, it just becomes an episode of Real Ghostbusters. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, and that's fine. But the other problem though is we're stuck with built, this. Though. Yeah. The cartoon was well written for the time, you yeah. know. Like there's some episodes that are like, damn, this is for kids. <laughs> Necronomicon and shit. Right. Uh, there we go. Um, yep. So here we start getting some Harold Ramis. Um, you could tell he wrote all of this. Oh, this yeah. Egon stuff. And he's got a lot more personality, but he's also sexless. Like, 
he's sort of like a spocky character right. in this despite the fact that uh you know we're told he secretly had a whole family going behind all of this which yeah i don't buy it for a second it is that in the uh, new one okay yeah, so yeah. randy edelman yes he did the chipmunk adventure he broke his he he cut his teeth doing the score on macgyver Wow. Um, but then, yes, Twins was his breakout at 40. He very quickly um, sort of did a bunch of shit, did B.I. Warchowski, did kept working with uh, Ivan Reitman. I would say... He's the, he's the affordable goldsmith as well. He's, he, it, this does sound like Poltergeist goldsmith very often. So, yes, he is. Um, he did Dragon the Bruce Lee story, which has a good theme, and pretty much everything else is generic. Um, right. He did. He is one of the two composers on Last the Mohicans, which is de facto his best work. Um, other than that, like he did the music for Anaconda. He did the music for Ed TV. Um, Black Knight with uh, Martin Lawrence, National Security. Like, oh, that's another Reitman there. Oh, is it okay? So, so now another thing. If I'm paying close enough attention, folks, I will probably shit on the um, some of the photography. I think that's the reshoots. I think Ghostbusters Two had such bad reshoots. Not even Michael Chapman could make it happen because this all looks good. It's not Laszlo Kovacs. It's vi- this no. one's directed either very much for video or not at all. But if we look at the framings on this one, this one knows that it's going to be pan and scanned. Okay. Here we have Vankman. Here we He's... have Vankman as a talk show host. We're... Didn't somebody call... always irate Kevin Dunn? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't somebody refer to him as a talk show host in the first one? Didn't right in the first one he was what's her face says you act like a game show host. Yeah. Okay, so yes, he took off 1985. Did one scene in Little Shop? Took off. So that was 86. Took off 87. Did Scrooged this. And then he did Quick Change, What About Bob, Groundhog Day, Mad Dog oh, and Glory. See, yeah. There's the, the golden age of Murray yeah. right there. Uh, sort of culminating with Ed Wood, which was his first sort of breakout. Um, like, showing, like, the thing about Bill Murray is Bill Murray wanted that recognition and he was willing to work with a lot of people to get it. <laughs> like, yeah. It, until Wes Anderson unlocked it, and then, um, oh girl, who did? Oh uh, yeah, Sophia, Sophia Coppola. Coppola sort of figured it out. Broken Flowers. Broken Flowers was fucking. That was the only one I liked of all of those. Was uh, Jim Jarmusch? Yeah, he did his Jarmusch. And there you then, go, right there. 
but yeah and then he just started then he did shit like zombie land right he did the shit he said he'd never do oh it's because he you know the fan base was we worship bill murray you know so th- that's yes. what it's sort of basically it just took until people grew into beloving bill murray enough that he decided to deign us with uh the sellout chloe webb in one of her kind of last big moments here right because then she was specifically tv after a certain point (laughs) the goofy face (laughs) where is she chloe webb Oh man, damn, that's what Queen's Logic was the end of Chloe Webb. That was the one so many people were in it too, right? Yeah, but that was like that was the end of Chloe Webb as a leading lady. Oh, uh, that sucks. Yeah. I mean she They they she they did try with her though. They did. Like she was in a lot. For a certain amount of time, there was a point where you there was a movie you didn't see her in it. And this guy. Oh yeah, fucking Kurt Fuller. So Kurt Fuller right now is on Evil, that uh show with uh Mike Coulter and Katja Herbers oh. and Asif Mandeev. Um He's really fucking good on that. Like, that show kind of sucks, but it's also, like, it gives its actors interesting shit to do, and that Mm. helps make up for it. Um, Now, for a time, he was just kind of this guy. Yeah, for years, he was this guy. Like, I bet he played that guy in a fucking uh, uh, Jim Carrey movie. Uh, and here now we have Peter McNichol, Peter McNichol, who I have always hated from this. <laughs> um, it's really <laughs> like because he's a creep. And... He's a creep, but he's just like he's from the page of Mannequin, where he's right. not just a creep, but he's a creep. He's a creep with a shitty accent. Yeah, <laughs> like you don't want to be near him. <laughs> Get this some bitch away from me. <laughs> yeah, and like we're a little bit late. Like mannequin was a little bit late to be doing comedy like that, right? And right. so now we're in this, and it's just that recycled, and it's just like, dude. And it's at such a like he has a lot to do in this. Yeah. Like he even has scenes to himself, and it's just uh-huh. yeah. There's like that no... guy in mannequin didn't get any of this, but no. <laughs> and Sigourney Weaver once again rebuffing another creep in her life. Yep. Now Sigourney Weaver is basically going to have a romance plot with Bill Murray, and it is incredibly um it's unremarkable. Yeah, but remarkable is some of the CGI in this, like some of this very early CGI. Now, people didn't start trying too hard on CGI until I'm just gonna say Jurassic Park. Well, that, but they were still kind of chill. Remember, like 
-hmm. There was this infamous article, or not infamous, but there was this like they CGI'd some stuff in uh Die Hard 3. They CGI'd the Batman for like they were using CGI to you know make sound stages. Yeah, and enhance, yeah. Um so I remember they made a big deal about the the end of Die Hard Two. See, that's not a real airplane, and those aren't real people. Yeah, and then <laughs> there was the helicopter from American President, and we were just starting to see it really functionally used. And then what happened was, is Harry Potter came out, and it looked like shit, and nobody cared. And they were like, <laughs> "Oh, it doesn't actually have to be good. We don't need to listen to these people who told us it has to look good." Well, let's make Shrek. Was, remember, remember Spider Man? though? when that first came out, and everybody was like, "Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> Spider Man one's really bad." Spider Man, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Spider Man's pretty bad too. But like, e- something like oh. Men in Black was a good example because it made it cartoony. Yeah, Men in Black was kind of cartoony. Yeah, so they gave that the excuse that you could do it like that. But then, what two thousand two? They drop Scooby Doo and it still looks like shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this chick has the most thankless part in the movie. Yeah, because she's this is her only scene, right? This is her only scene. All right, here we go. Old friends back together. Now we hadn't really been paying attention, but um <laughs> Basically, she said, don't tell Peter. They both said, we promise not to tell Peter. And then they tell Peter in a cartoonish scene. Except now Bill Murray is your divorced or newly widowed uncle who's trying too hard to be nice to everybody because he's, like, lonely. And... (laughs) Bill Murray's a talk show host. This is from the universe where Bill Murray just became a talk show host. And Harold <laughs> Ramis is delighted to be in a movie that costs us much money. Here we go. Here's here's why we love Bill Murray. He's clowning around. Doing his Bill Murray thing. But this would be sort of toward the end of Bill Murray doing this particular bit. Right, like, he wasn't. Yeah, after after a while, he wasn't Hepcat, Bill Murray. He wasn't the Bill Murray that uh, Val Kilmer was trying to be in Real Genius. Right. Okay, so the acting career of Harold Ramis. After this, he was in um, Baby Boom. He well, was in. Think about him. He. Uh, I don't think he really minded being Harold no. Ramis, you know? Well, also, I don't, It it's not clear. It doesn't look like he was that interested in being a movie star either. Right. No, and he just like, seemed like he, seemed like he, he just, just wanted to have fun. Like, right, because he seems the most comfortable mm-hmm. on screen. And it doesn't, usually because when he's in a movie, it doesn't really hinge on him. Like, he's not a Jeff Daniels where 
he'll be the Jeff Daniels will be the lead in certain shit. And Harold Ramis was just all right. Just doing this. Just yeah. you know, supporting. Weren't we in the movie theater with him once? <laughs> yeah. We and we were in a movie theater with him one time, and I'm 99.99% sure that uh, my wife and I once saw him in a restaurant in like Highland Park. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I was too, I was like too cool to do it. Like, just to be like, oh. it's you, man. It's Harold Ravis. Right. <laughs> Okay, so here's a little give and take with the. Uh, oh yeah, the baby stuff. We need, the baby. To, we need to contextualize the baby. So, what was the first movie with uh, Three Men and a Baby? Was eighty right. seven, and that mm-hmm. was a giant hit. And the part of the gag was it was unexpected people taking interacting with babies doing cute and dangerous things so it was like basically just levels of baby huey um Mm -hmm. but like just people realized babies were cute in about 1986 like everybody could agree a fucking baby was cute right like so they made a bunch of baby movies for four years they made and they convinced everybody that those little olsen twins (laughs) right and that like sort of led into the sort of show kid culture of the 80 of the yeah. 90s like it yeah. it was it turned the into tots. a theater thing yeah the but they you didn't, you didn't have this in the 70s like this right like no cuz so, in the 70s it was smart mouth like right. pre adolescent 8 year olds maybe it was basically the bart simpson right yeah, like Gary that's Coleman. part of the thing is you have a Bart Simpson, Gary Coleman type. Yeah. Or yeah, I mean that's basically on a range too, right? Like people can say whatever they want, but Arnold wasn't Bart, right? Like no, Arnold was in the beginning. Arnold was very streetwise. Yeah. Like he could talk to people, adults on a certain level, and they didn't get it. But as the show went on as him and Willis kind of became more adjusted to their uh, environment. Yeah. <laughs> All that shit was out the window. Cause if you took Arnold from season one and put him in an episode with the bicycle, man, he would know something was up <laughs> like right. in two seconds. Okay. Um, we are starting to see the problems uh, with the photography actually. Um because for some reason, I always remember this scene as being, like, a really big deal. Mm. Like, I remember a giant crane shot. Well, I think, honestly, because I, I really believe there was a difference between the released cut and then the cut they did for video. Because there are certain scenes I can recall actually happening when I saw it in the theaters. And then when it was on video, it wasn't there anymore. Right. So there are probably shots, little snippets of dialogue, probably 
it, but th this movie was heavily edited anyway. Yeah, they were editing this very close to release. Um, let me see. And the but, um, like the look, comic look, adaptation was obviously taken from an earlier draft because like Oscar figures a lot into it. Well, this also sort of reveals that there aren't any scenes like this in um, the first movie. Just them fucking around like this. Yeah. And this is another way. Where this goes wrong is that they have to start from square one again. You know, they're not still... Right. And then they follow the exact same pattern for the second half and it just doesn't yeah. play right. Like it's not cute. And I'm someone who thinks that Star Trek into darkness is perfectly fine with its con cuteness. Like, but this is not cute. Uh, so that's no. Max Van Sydow doing the voice. Yeah. Here's our big bad of the movie. A painting, folks. The ghost inside of a painting. Played by a stuntman and... Um, it's one of the diehard guys. One of the diehard guys and voiced by Max Van Sydow. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, let's see. Production. A child? Oh, there we go. Big special effects. Trailer okay. shot. Yeah, that was a big trailer shot. So, yeah, in the comic book adaptation, they go into slightly deeper detail why specifically it has to be Oscar. And oh, okay. Something about tattoos forming on his body or something. Okay. There's a lot of that that I think was filmed, but just they got rid of it. The River of Slime. The River of Slime, which I remember being such a big deal. And it's... <laughs> so this is another thing. We see this kind of thing all the time now it's a normal yeah. part of something you see so like it doesn't stand out but at the time this stood out uh though yeah this is like whoa. i think it might also more be the batman returns opening credits <laughs> okay so oh they're caught <laughs> okay <laughs> filming concluded March 7 1989 oh yeah they didn't have no time to okay so that was filming it came out in June they changed 25 minutes of it yeah like this movie was yeah, this was hacked. Yeah. 
Whoa. And so you're also at this weird point where you are using CGI. You're using early CGI, probably with some more traditional mats and things. But as a result, you're using like, you know, the movie looks different than the first one, just in terms of um, film stock. Yeah, it's got got a fresher look. Yeah. And that the non-fresh look covers a lot, right? Like yeah. hashtag Superman like 3, hashtag super, Supergirl to some extent. And they so, do a lot with color no. in this movie. Yeah. And it's not just the style of 89. It's just... Yeah, right? Like, like look how the hallway is all red. This seems like it should be a bigger deal. This whole fucking yeah. scene here. And it's just nothing. Well, it's, like, the hallway's red. And then the stinger is, you know, when he turns around. and Yeah. But I just mean the seeming yeah. stalking from Janosch. Yeah, he should be a little creepier. They made or this. Now that he, yeah. Now they that he's wrote got this. The, yeah. Now that he's got possessed, he should be a little more menacing than. Well, right. And it's just. He's still acting like before. Yeah. Got this is right, the thing of villain. Like bit parts. Yeah, this. Ooh, his eyes glow. Just like they live. Somebody had some leftover <laughs> they live effects. Um, mm. <laughs> Fucking poor Harris Eulin. He's great in um in in training day. That whole scene with him and Tom Berenger and those guys. He's underappreciated, oh. but he also like does he's kind have of a bad string sometimes. He has he's more of a prestige uh John Vernon. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Okay, this is Janet Margolin, who was a New York actress. So hmm. this movie is full of cameos. And stunt mm -hmm. casts, and none of them make any sense or make any difference. The only one that matters is the Bobby Brown one, because he does right. a song. But otherwise, the time. we yeah. just have all these fucking guys, and they're these recognizable actors, and it's just like, hey, all these people in our movie, like and Rick Moranis here, Lewis. Okay, so here's some of that fucking bad photography <laughs> it looks like a sitcom like it looks we're what are we, are we watching a fucking perry mason yeah, it's movie? very it's very flatly uh yeah. set up and the wipes are weird because we aren't gonna have the wipes again i don't think i think it's just for this also ernie hudson disappeared here we've got corrupt She's chicago cop number two yeah, Ernie Hudson is Ernie, here, but he doesn't get to participate in the fight. Right. And or, yeah, the fight or any of that. 
the next investigation. He disappears, and when he comes back, his hair is slightly different. (laughs) And his character's, like, just an exposition dump or two. Like, you know, according to the cartoon, Winston's the driver. (laughs) What? Yes, that's how he was described in the, the series Bible. Winston is the driver of Ecto-1. Yeah, that's his role in the Ghostbusters. <laughs> Crazy, oh, right? Oh, God. Hey, is that a young Terrence Howard? <laughs> okay, so Rick Moranis is in it for this scene and like... Yeah, he, he pops in and out. His role was bigger. Okay. Because there were scenes cut out later on where he's attempting to catch Slimer. In the uh there's one in particular that they cut okay. like completely out. Like so, his his whole thing was him and Slimer. Okay. Another weird thing. Um in the first movie, Lewis thought he was cool. In this yeah, here, movie, he's just, he's just a dork. nerd. Yeah. yeah. So, it's kind of shitty, but also, like... It is kind of weird that he just kind of yeah. regressed. They're lucky they got him to come back. Like, And he should have actually come back as, like, a stud. Yeah. Would it, you know... <laughs> Or something. He could have come he back been... married to he and uh, Janine could have been married or Either whatever. That or he just would have been like this weird gigolo type. He's still dorky, right. but like... Because well, the thing is... He would have came with that... a bimbo in his arm. Yeah, because this is his post-dog <clears throat> life. Right. But... He, he would have gotten famous and we, we would yeah. have just totally rode that into the ground this is something this doesn't address is there's sort of five years later everybody has decided ghosts weren't that big of a deal back in the day (laughs) and so We get this. We get Harris Eulin yelling at the Ghostbusters because they're a bunch of hacks while there's a wind inside and slime bubbling and different film stock between the cuts, which is a good sign. Um, Yeah, this is pre and post. Yeah. (laughs) Well, oh no. Okay. Here we go. And here we go with we don't have Let's models. Brother. <laughs> she looks stupid. And, and of you, course, they look like they're from the cartoon. Right. And that's another thing we don't get as far as this goes. Who gets to come back as a humanoid ghost and who comes back as a monster? Right. And also we don't ever get a good explanation of the connection of the ghost to the slime. Even we don't, because why are the Scolari brothers 
We also don't know what happened to the containment unit. That's nope. not part of it. It's well, so it, weird. It with the fact that they they have the the ecto one and they still have like the party thing right. going, it's assumed Ooh. that they still have the firehouse and all that shit. But and they are, but we will later find out they are under court. In they are, this is the scene, they were under injunction yeah. not to ghost bust, right? And so the or even to like investigate the supernatural. So now the judge just lifted that order, and so the real Ghostbusters are back. Um, <laughs> notice that Winston isn't there. Right. And so this is shit where what we're getting is they're trying to appeal to the TV viewer kids. Yeah, because kids but, just... Dude, we ate this up back <laughs> then. The real right. Ghostbusters. The real Ghostbusters was a big hit. And so I had the figures, the car, man. Some weird, it's a very weird thing. Is this is a TV adaptation of a spin-off to a movie starring the original cast, made by the original principals. Like mm. that's a very weird thing. So I guess you could argue that in some ways that's also Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah. See, like, you're right. Where the fuck is Winston? They could have... Like, why aren't we even cutting to him? Shit, Lewis is in there. Right. <laughs> Lew- and Lewis got added to the real Ghostbusters after this, apparently. Yeah, he did. Like, there's episode... Well, again... He kind of became foil to Slimer, who at this point okay. was very, very like important in a cartoon. Slimer could be what you say the '80s equivalent to what Scrappy Doo was to Scooby Doo. Okay, they just focused on his character a little more. He even went from like not talking, doing the gibberish talk. Oh, that's right. He talks. Yeah. It's just being completely articulate by last season. Okay. So we just missed some really bland. You fast and maybe slow. (laughs) And that's the clip you see on um, Siskel and Ebert. Ghostbusters 2 was an atrocious sequel. Uh, there we go. Annie Potts looking yep. like the cartoon Janine. And Ernie Hudson is back. Yep. But and we get our the cartoon first original was so, song. Yeah. The cartoon was super like clever because... They did a whole episode on why Janine looks different. (laughs) And it really works. So here in our montage, what I think what we're getting is we're getting the different plots being 
cut together. So this was the most, <laughs> this had effects, so that was probably what they first tried. And then Slime it's the Collection. First movie again. Yeah. They won't leave us alone. <laughs> Are you going to call Ghostbusters? <laughs> this part is good. I like yeah. the montage. It's just unnecessary because hey, well, this right here is cut from a cut scene. Okay. Where Ray was possessed by Vigo. There there's a part where he gets oh, possessed yeah, by there, Vigo. Which we'll see pieces of and it go it very clearly goes nowhere and is a problem. Yeah. Okay. So we're getting some costume changes for the boys. What? There we go. Hey, there's what everybody came to see. Slimer's back, everybody. It's Slimer. See, now that turns into a whole subplot where okay, Lewis is trying to catch him and... Oh, and Dana's just... Yeah, Sigourney Weaver making it believable she thinks they're cute is, uh... Right. <laughs> that was oh, it. Those guys. After that, she was like, I can't, I can't outdo that scene. That was it. That was the peak. <laughs> okay. Let's try to think of something where there's a lab scene <laughs> that doesn't have any inherent drama to it that's good. I feel like we're experts now after the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man show. <laughs> yeah. And the Hulks. I bet the Hulk had a lot of lab <laughs> scenes that went nowhere. But... <laughs> this is not good drama, and it's not good comedy. Well, again, this is, you have to simplify it for the kids, but, you know. Okay, yes, and that is kind of what this movie is. Yeah. It's exposition dumps, like repeated right. exposition dumps. You have to explain it for the kids or they just won't get it. And I just thought, what if they did... Ernie Hudson really bad and just recast him with Arsenio since <laughs> since um, Arsenio was doing the voice on the cartoon anyways. Oh my god. <laughs> that would have been so bad. No, because no, no. They would have brought him back. They would have brought in Arsenio as Winston's cousin. Cousin. <laughs> Winston does not appear. No. <laughs> And his name is something like Winston. And so they basically call him like they don't have to <laughs> learn a new day for Arsenio. Because I mean, Walter Zimmer. <laughs> but you know what was even more messed up? Ernie Hudson was doing voices, right? Mm -hmm. For 
cartoons. He did Cyborg. So he auditioned for Ghostbusters, and they didn't hire him for whatever reason. <laughs> okay. So the stuff was a thing at this point too. Stuff was 85 and it was like a lengthy video hit. Which also like... starred SNL alum Garrett Morris. <laughs> um <laughs> check out the stuff. Stuff's better stuff than Ghostbusters too. It was one um, of those what Larry Cohen movies. Larry Cohen right? movies, yeah. So I might do a double feature: the stuff and Return to Salem's Lot. Oh shit! Ambulance <laughs> to the ambulance. Oh shit! That's right. I've been meaning to watch Hell that. Yeah. Hell yeah! Eric Roberts in a fucking Eric lead Roberts. as a Marvel comics artist. Okay. I just I skimmed through Star Eighty the other night. I couldn't oh, damn. watch I the can't. whole thing. But, I can't. Yeah. I gotta. He's good in that, but you know, I, it's. I, yeah. One needs to when one looks into the abyss, the abyss looks into you. Like I don't even know how you prepare for Star Eighty. Yeah, that you really have to be in That's the, like the, the right mind. Texas Chainsaw Massacre of the Soul, man. All right. Yeah. So. Oh, the handshake here. Yeah. <laughs> I love this shit. <laughs> this is Bill Murray, folks. Oh God! But it's Bill Murray. Oh, we missed the shot. Which shot? Where they walk in, sucking the guts, sucking the guts with the Ghostbusters. Where Ernie Hudson, for fifteen years, was cut out of the shot. (laughs) Well, I was gonna say that. There's. Look at this. Like Peter McNichol gets cut out of the shot. Like yeah. they do that, they have the same. What's weird about it is it's like they seem to know that they're gonna have to pan and scan it. But yeah, because look at that right there. Look at There's that. a lot of space in yeah. that shot. So Reitman is framing for much less aggressive pan and scanning, which is is that better or worse than just i don't know like uh-huh. th- this is a weird phenomenon of the late 80s and sort of to the mid 90s well, they, they didn't with, bank on people being aspect ratio minded no you know? which no. is why on tv they just you, even on dvds they'll They'll use the framing from TV for a lot of DVDs, which they did for years, which is why you had, they separated them for a while. Remember? Yeah. There was widescreen and, you know, what, formatted to fit your screen. Pan and scan, baby. But they, scan. did they stop calling it pan and scan? I can't remember if they. No, I think so. I. I once had to explain to somebody what pan and scan was but it was like in 2007 uh, and uh, they were like 
well, I didn't really watch a lot of stuff on at home before DVD. And I'm like, you know that it filled your screen, right? Right. And they're just like, what? And I'm like, but this was my, okay, this was not in the script, or, or this was not in the plan. Sigourney doing uh oh this Bra action sequence at 38 no yeah the action sequence was there but brought 38 or whatever oh, yeah. it wasn't um that plays less like uh female empowerment than when you know the story behind caddyshack and these guys and cindy thomas or right um Though there is a funny story about um, about uh, Sigourney Weaver's uh, underwear scene in Alien. I won't get into it, but apparently <laughs> since CGI didn't exist and she refused to do things um, somebody in the UK made a fortune having to hand paint um, oh. uh, stuff out of the scene. Okay, so <laughs> now we get more with the goop. The goop really doesn't go anywhere. The slime oh. bit of it, like the show was big on slime, so they're like, we need slime. Yeah, Teenage Mutant Turtles did the same thing. They were yeah. like, they need to have slime. So the second Ooh. one was the secret of the ooze. Um, that's interesting to think of those two franchises as being a thing at the same time. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and real Whoa. Ghostbusters. Turtles came out when a lot of things were was on the way out. Yeah. To the point where late in the run of uh, Ghostbusters, they do an episode where there's like a parody of Ninja Turtles. Okay. And Turtles was also syndicated, which you know, it was syndicated, yeah, and Saturdays. Weird ass thing about animation in the 80s was there were the show Saturday morning cartoons were on networks. And like yeah. CBS didn't have any or something. I remember well, that CBS for the longest time ran they had a they had a good lineup. Like Muppet Babies was kind of the center of their lineup for years. Yeah. And it was the big competition to Smurfs. That's yeah. the one thing I remember. But then, but CBS sort of started getting out of that, right? Yeah, like, by 90, 93 was the year NBC and CBS like, had cut. Well, CBS for a while, they tried to do preschool shit. Okay. And that just didn't work. And then NBC said, you know, fuck cartoons. We're just going to play stuff that's aimed towards like older kids, mm -hmm. tweens. So that's where you got your, the, the whole say by the bell and hang oh, yeah, time and right. California dreams and all that shit. Okay. And then so... ABC, of course, was run by Disney. So they still kind of. They hung in there because they still had the rights to uh, Looney Tunes, which still kind of got ratings, along with Disney cartoons. 
But yeah, Ghostbusters was one of the shows. It ran on Saturdays. Plus, you got them during the week, you know, on syndication. That's the other. Yeah, that's the other thing about cartoons. They ran. You you had so many episodes. They syndicated the shit out of those. Um, Yeah. We just did this weird little fade out. Uh, much like the swipes, that will never be a bit again. Oh, here we go. Here comes the shot. Or Ernie Hudson was Thanos snapped out. <laughs> okay. Also, this is a Christmas movie, and they forget that. It's like the worst Christmas well, no. movie ever. It's after Christmas. No, it's between Christmas it's and New, New Year's. Year's. But right? there should be Christmas. No, it ends on New Year's. But See, it like starts just before Christmas. Wow. Oh, Holy yeah. shit. They made him stand a little bit further over. So Stay a little bit further over. Oh, look at that lighting. Oh, my goodness. Michael Chapman, sir, what happened <laughs> with this? But Why? the one thing I... I got to give it credit for, like I said, with the first one, they, despite maybe seeing the style of the cars and stuff, you wouldn't notice that this, both of them either take place that far apart or that they even really take place in the eighties. They could probably. Yeah. The, The only reason the first one really has a, like time factors because it's got that sort of still left over from the 70s sort of yeah that's kind of mm-hmm. yeah where it's like we right, started now. getting rid of it this is where ray gets possessed and has a right. whole adventure and they cut it right okay mm-hmm. yeah it's very obvious there's a whole Allegedly, they kept it in for the Disney Channel, which again, I you know, there's no right. proof of that. Much like the legendary Disney cut of Goonies. Okay, we got McNichol back there. A little, uh, whatever the hell he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> The fuck? Like, well, he's not even doing the Donald Pleasance because he's like standing motionless. So, right, he's just making cut around him. Like, so this is Peter Vankman's apartment, which is the apartment of every every dude who doesn't make any money whatsoever in the in 80s. New York. City in the eighties. Yeah, it's currently would cost fourteen million dollars. Like exactly. Yep. Yeah, they're getting a lot out of barely dressed Sigourney here. They are. Um, I let's see. Was she?
She's really not wearing anything under there. No, what the no, fuck? Would, no. How did she not have some nightmare stories about that? Okay, so she's 39 to 40 years old in this one. Basically, either she had just had her kid or she was about to have her kid. And huh. so she was doing um empowered sexy mom thing. However, huh. she's going to take some time off here. And then come back with Alien 3, which was an infamous bomb, 1492, which nobody liked. And then starting in 93, she was basically completely, I don't even know how to describe her career trajectory. She like no longer was going for prestige lead performances or even necessarily prestige co-starring performances with her her thing was yeah she was she was the cerebral actress so she wasn't gonna yeah she wasn't and they already had what meg ryan and she she wasn't gonna be a meg ryan or a sally field so yeah i guess that would be the comparison would be sally field that was basically her choice was be Sally Field or be like I don't know probably what Annie Potts should have been if the world made sense um, right but it's just like there were only so many types even somebody like Sigourney Weaver could play in movies like it and she proved dudes would go see her but she had to be playing Ripley yeah. So. And I'm sure that that's what kind of soured her on that shit. Yep. And then. Shit, I forgot she was in The Village, which was the uh, M. Night movie that turned people on (laughs) M. Night finally. (laughs) That piece of shit. She was in The Ice Storm. Oh, God. That was a date movie. Oh, my God. (laughs) The Ice Storm was good. Um. But that was where, like, Joan Allen... See, Sigourney Weaver wasn't even Joan Allen. Basically, Joan, Joan Allen, Allen became Sigourney yeah. Weaver. Um, but For then, a minute. And then yeah, she kind of tapped she out. Was out because she just, like... I don't know. She. I read an interview she did when she was doing Death Race, and she seemed... Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I was like, what the fuck she, is Joan Allen doing? In she was Death like... Race? She wanted to do something different and have a great bit of uh like a great real. She just this year got topped on that because Susan Sarandon was the big bad oh, in that's Blue right. Beetle. That's right. Oh, she looked Sigourney good doing Weaver. it, but eh. Sigourney Weaver came back for the girl power version of Ghostbusters. Yeah. That was just a you know a bit. Even at the like oh, tail end of the credit, I think yeah, very at the very end. Okay, so she is in Avatar. She's in the Avatar movies. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. But she also um, was in the Defenders. She was the yeah, big she bad was the villain in that. Yeah. the Defenders, and she was terrible. 
and I'm going to add a little bit to uh, the Avatar thing where they bring her back in the second movie and she's supposedly like a teenage version of the character she played only now she's one of the creatures, right? Okay. It's a teenage version, but they they have her do the voice of the character. I guess she performed it too. Uh-huh. The thing Ernie's is, hair is different. Look at Ernie's hair. Right. He's got the he's got the S curl. Oh <laughs> but in, in, in Avatar 2, yeah. they make no attempt to change her voice. She still has this 50 something, 60-something-year-old Sigourney Weaver voice on this character that's supposed to be a child. And they they, they, they in no way enhance Dude. it, you know, so it doesn't no. sound. I, I don't understand. People do not seem to want to acknowledge that voices change over time and it takes you out okay so if you're doing a movie where like it would have been no problem if she did the voice but you just do a little bit right like but it doesn't sound like the like 14 15 year old she's supposed to be this (laughs) is a um this is a scene of the cartoon Oh yeah, this definitely would have been one of those scenes in a cartoon that, like, parents groups, their heads on stakes, because they really would have did that on the cartoon. <laughs> Ghostbusters, the real Ghostbusters cartoon, pushed a lot visually because kids got nightmares from that cartoon. <laughs> the only difference is in the cartoon Slimer would be with him <laughs> Slimer get back here But this is obviously on a sound stage. Like it's oh yeah. <laughs> That's why it's dark all around him. Yep. Harold Ramis isn't in that shot. Like <laughs> Ernie Hudson's agent is like, fuck yeah, Ernie. I got you. I got you in the home video. I did not get you in that shot, though. That is a Harold Ramis shot. <laughs> Jesus Christ it is. Oh my god. You only see Ernie's shoulder. Yep. Whoa. But then he gets <laughs> this shit. Trailer shot. Yep. Uh right. Oh. That train is haunted. Just 1940s shit. <laughs> well, Here's the thing. This isn't Ernie Hudson. Like, this isn't something Ernie Hudson would be good at. Ernie Hudson's not a comedian. Like, well, and 
It's that, that's why they were shitty to the, the character Winston, because in this it could have been any yeah. black dude. And at this point, Winston was a major character, the kids from the cartoon. Yeah. Like the cartoon didn't treat Winston like this. No. But I mean, at this point, they all sort of become interchangeable and stop having personality. Like, well, that's what they said too. I saw like a documentary of the cartoon, mm-hmm. and because they, they the network mandated a lot of shit, like they were intending to write Ray's character out, and. Which is funny because they said Dan Aykroyd was probably the only one in the cast that watched the show regularly. (laughs) (laughs) And since Slimer had taken center stage, they said, well, the cast is too big. We have to write out at least Ray. Uh And since everybody gets along with Slimer, what's the point of having the one guy who was always nice to him? (laughs) So luckily they kept him, but it's just... They made a lot of changes at this point on the cartoon. Okay. Uh. So. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Is there a good Bill Murray romance? These two are good. They were good in the first one, and they're cute with the kid together, but this is painful. Yeah, but the thing of it is, it's all about any good Bill Murray with a female on film. She has to see through his bullshit. She can't just be some chick that just falls for him and that that's what Sigourney Weaver is good at like yeah. even their bit in afterlife is good okay because she's she's on to him and that's how their thing works are they ghosts no they they do a skit during the end credits okay it's a callback to the card thing oh, only this time she's okay. she's shocking him okay Oh, yeah, kind of like, they put that right. in there because yeah. they were like, "We're not, we don't hate women. We're we're getting Bill Murray back for being a piece of shit in 1984. Look at this, exactly. All thirty Hashtag some years feminism. later. <laughs> <laughs> so, this bit here with Janine and Lewis, okay, came about. Because Harold Ramis didn't like that Janine and Egon had a thing or kind of didn't. What? Like, Even seriously? Though, yeah, it, yeah, it was weird. Like, he he just did not like the thing between Janine and Egon. So this is why the continuity between these movies and Afterlife is really screwy. Is she the mom in Afterlife? They don't explain it. Okay. They, 
you know, Egon's adult daughter just doesn't have a mother, or the mother died at some point. Okay, this is another sequence I remember as having, like, some point. Instead, it's going to be them yelling at each other for a second. And this oh, yeah, is, and then they realize that, yeah. even though this is something they should know anyways. Yep. Like, that would have been... Okay, so it's already over. Here, there, everybody. <laughs> Don't worry, kids. They're not really mad at each other. And look, if we just take off a little bit of our clothes, yeah, it's going to be okay. That we're completely covered on our faces. Mm-hmm. And... Look where it's at. Ernie Hudson's like, sorry, Dan Aykroyd. I just, for a second, <laughs> I, I realized what fucking part you wrote me and i was just like man fuck you <laughs> like, come in jj long johns <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah hey you guys get out of here aren't they celebrities though yes and everybody would know who both those people are and now you gotta think Winston's not in that shot and neither is oh no they're not very clearly they were cutting Winston and Sigourney Weaver out of the shot Sigourney Weaver out that shot yep yep right there look at that (laughs) wow no they'd have to pan over for her line uh oh but no but what do I hear what do I hear and the soundtrack what's creeping up on the soundtrack uh oh nope Oh, oh. The hit of 1989 that wasn't Bat Dance. A big cameo is coming up. Okay, so was there a scene where they tell these guys? Did Bobby Brown really like the Ghostbusters? Yeah, well dude was coked out of his mind when he was fucking doing the song even he admitted he was like so high he was a fan of Ghostbusters but it wasn't like you know that was around the time he was just on top of the the world just Bobby Brown was eh. it was like big that he was in this Yeah, you know just for that five seconds We were oh, getting the, the hair. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, let's like there's also the thing where somebody should acknowledge that Sigourney Weaver and uh Rick Moranis fucked so hard they became dogs. Like they became <laughs> <laughs> Well they said it, dogs. the reason the reason for his hair here is because he didn't get to be possessed in this. So he wanted possessed hair. Okay. Yeah. But Moranis at this point, yeah, he had a big summer, 89. Yeah. 
between this, it, well, it was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids that really... Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Parenthood. He was everywhere. Oh, yeah, Parenthood. That was actually the Miranda Summer, if you think about it. Like, there was never another Holy... one. Yeah, that's right. He was from 89 to, I think, maybe 91. He had a really good run. Yep, and then his wife passed it's... away pretty yeah. soon after he that. Even had a... He even had a cartoon. Uh, Rick Moranis at Gravedale High. Yeah, he was on a roll. Oh, okay. here they are with the mayor again. Yeah, so here's the deal with this. They asked to see the mayor, and they get to go see the mayor instead of getting arrested. They're all the slime that they were covered in, the concentrated evil has dried and dissipated. Yeah, now they're kind of normalized. Yeah, so they have no evidence of this, yet they still got to see the mayor. And now we're getting this weird sort of subplot, which started a second ago, but really is starting is going to be the thing of how about how much new yorkers hate new york and each other oh yeah was a thing you guys gotta be a little nicer to each other yeah. out there in new york in new york like here just listen to the dude here oh yeah it's every new york is right Like, how could he be this dismissive to the Ghostbusters after? So what we get hinted at here is that they were sued out of existence, basically, and then probably to get out of the um, financial liability. Oh, yeah, they promised not that they wouldn't promise they wouldn't Ghostbust or acknowledge the real existence of the supernatural. Uh, and here's Bill Murray's brother, Brian Doyle Murray. Yep. And this is where Eugene Levy was going to come in as um, Oh, Lewis's cousin? Lewis's cousin was going to work there. But instead, we get this boring-ass shit. So the only way this <laughs> works is, is if one or the other of these, or both, are great. They both suck. Like It's also because you don't get much of Vigo. No, Vigo's all. a terrible it, villain. He's a pointless, he's, yeah, he's a pointless really bad villain. villain. Like, nothing really comes to... Even if he possessed Oscar, it's like he's got to grow up. <laughs> right. And that's the thing is, is Vigo seemed completely unaware, or uninterested in the fact that he could unleash a, a ghost army from his river of slime. <laughs> like, this is definitely something they would have wrapped up. 
in the half hour on a cartoon. Oh. He's just not big enough. It's yeah. nothing. It's nothing. There's no real threat here. Even though they're talking about this end of the world. Here's the thing. They're not going to kill a fucking baby. So nobody's getting killed in Ghostbusters 2. That's what we had uh, Pet Cemetery for. Right. Like nobody's there. There aren't stakes like that. So you have to do like a Fast and the Furious. You have to make the stakes in the, you know, immediacy of the action. Right. Yeah. that's not what they even do here. They get kind of close here, and then it just like fizzles again. Oh, we had a kid in this fucking movie. <laughs> Don't look at the camera, baby. Dun dun dun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I think that is kind of the thing is is a real sequel to Ghostbusters 1984 would be PG-13. Yeah. And this can't be PG-13. Like, think about how fucking wild it is. We've got a baby out on a fucking ledge. A ledge. Like, in the year of our Lord, 1989. Like, yeah, this is pretty. Like, what the hell? Like, no, it's funny. Like, it's, it's funny. It should be like the Flash. It's funny. Babies in danger are funny. <laughs> well, at least it's not a badly rendered CGI baby. There you go. <laughs> and With then the rubber neck inside of a microwave. We get <laughs> this. Yeah. This never got explained. Nope. Except that it gave us another ghost. Yeah. Well, I think that's the real problem is is that people were expected ghosts because of the cartoon. Right. Except the Ghostbusters guys weren't interested in ghosts. Yeah, yeah, you only have those completely really different quick sequences with the ghosts in this yeah. movie. Like the longest one is with the brothers in some ways. Right. And, and then we're gonna get the the bit that's coming up here where the slime is sort of bringing shit back. Oh yeah. But that's a montage. We are headed into right. So this is where the show basically starts mimicking the first one's sort of theme. We're going to get a montage here. um, (laughs) That Vigos is completely unaware of. There is no shot of the Emperor laughing at Right. With with his arms raised. Completely unaware that the New Yorkers are all going wild. Or maybe this is his, I don't know, how he gets stronger or something. Eh. They never explain it. They never explain it. It just has something to do with slime. Ooh. 
Uh-oh. Ooh, slime. So basically this movie is Prince of Darkness. Yeah, this came, this came this out came after, out after the Blob. And Ooh. after the Blob. Like yeah. we'd done this before. Like this wasn't like the next level in slime. Uh-uh. It was just Remember the Blob and the Blob remake. The Blob had personality. Right. <laughs> the Blob is, was savage is, in the remake. <laughs> we're about to just have nothing here. Except Sigourney having slightly different hair than in the last scene. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag retakes. <laughs> All right. It would be terrible if instead of taking place on a dynamic location like a rooftop, we are going to take place in an empty room with stained glass window. Yeah, like... It's like the background of a fighting game. It's so empty. Yeah. That's Metropolis like, Museum and Injustice. Like it looks like a yeah, a round of <laughs> fight. Okay. That's the it worst editing I've ever seen. <laughs> Just that thing where you pull away from you cut from the baby getting pulled away to Sigourney getting locked up without establishing where the baby's headed. This is yeah. that's some fucking uh oh Eugene Levy and Andrea oh, Martin. Eugene Levy, Andrea Martin. Um that's some fucking what's it called level shit. Uh last action oh, here we go. level shit. Okay, so now we get yeah. some real ghosts. And we get another music montage. Oh, this was so stupid right mm-hmm. here. <laughs> Do you think if Gremlins 2 had come out before Ghostbusters 2, it would have had a chance, a better chance? Do Probably. You think if they came out closer together. And we're like, wait a second. Ghostbusters 2... Like that should have been this should have been in the first fifteen minutes of a movie called Ghostbusters Two. Right, they should have been still out there doing their thing. Maybe well, no, the I don't ghosts know. Ghosts needed to come back. We needed to we needed to address the the word like the just, location. They reset like the logic uh, of the universe too. Cheech. Yep. I just think Vigo should have been a bigger threat. Some kind of threat. And then this shot. Some type of, yeah. I was pretty sure that shot was going to have the lights come out, but I bet they didn't have time to do it. We got a Philip Baker Hall cameo. Baker Hall. Ben Stein. Ben Stein. Not playing Ben Stein. He's actually got... uh, Ben Stein is a piece of shit, so it's incredibly problematic he was friends with somebody to get on this. Yeah. Like. Yeah, he was in a lot, too. He, he showed was. up just 
shows up in a lot. And then, like, he was just around, and then somebody was like, wait, is he going to be a piece of shit? And they, they were like, oh, yeah, I'm a piece <laughs> of shit. Uh, when Obama kind of liked it, he, they were like, oh, no, I'm, yeah. yeah, no, you should have you listened. I was fucking Nixon's speechwriter. Like, what piece of oh. shit, man. Okay, so, so here, this, Kurt Fuller gets found yeah. out. He's Get out of here! Play. What's what's his name? Uh, James Spader. <laughs> no, what's his name? Uh, what Richards? In... You get out Richards, of here, Mister yeah. Richards! <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go again. Yep. Turning daytime in the night. That better have been a trailer shot. That's that's it. That's it. That. That's. That's a whatchamacallit trick. That's a Gozer trick right there. <laughs> well, no. It you also has nothing. From Gozer. Yeah. Why do I keep thinking they were they used their updated uniforms for the last part of the movie? Because it would have made sense. Yeah, because <laughs> it would have made sense. That's why it really would have sucked that they used the ones from the cartoon, though. <laughs> After they went through all the trouble on a cartoon to explain why they don't have the jumpsuits mm. from the movie. I hate Jello. <laughs> oh, good. Let's get to our exciting um Yeah, we're just waiting till midnight. Just <laughs> gonna fucking talk to each other. Yes. Who could they've even gotten for the? There's like, I'm trying to think for Janos. Yeah, don't think they didn't try to beg Robin Williams at the time because that's the only person I could have. Robin Williams and then maybe Jim Carrey audition, and they were like, "No, dude, you're too much." What about Bronson Pincho? It's just Bronson. Bronson Pincho, probably knowing him at the time because he was bulky, he probably asked for too much money. Because remember, he was arrogant as shit. <laughs> like that really worked out for him in the long run. <laughs> well, he was all he was perfect strangers. That was just he was on top of the world for however long that show was on. I'm surprised he didn't demand to be on Family Matters, too, because that was the spinoff. Instead, he ended up on the other show. He ended up on Step by Step, but he wasn't playing Balky. 
he had replaced Sasha Mitchell. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Um, Who was they don't yeah try, the star of that show? They don't try crossing the beams. Nah, because that was only crucial to getting rid of Gozer. No, they need to try crossing the beams and have it not working before they try something else. Like there <laughs> needed to be a slime monster. They needed to get to the end of the line. yeah exactly. In the, slime in the, that was the good thing about the first one and how it did this. They didn't know how to do this ending, so they just kept having build up action, build up action. This uh, one, they don't like have that. So ninety minutes later. <laughs> All that oh. trouble Superman went through just to get the Statue of Liberty back. Plus minus <laughs> this is what the Ghostbusters do. Plus minus um they had to get all that gear. So this is like three yeah. hours later. Right? Like it's past midnight. <laughs> Those is, are still yeah. took over the world. Yeah. They break in, nothing. It's just fucking... Yeah, they don't stop anything at all. Just an incredibly awkward sex scene for <laughs> Sigourney Weaver. and Is that an A-team reference? Nah. Although he does very... He looks very Hannibal-ish with that cigar in his mouth. So... Uh Hey, kids, Nintendo. <laughs> oh, wow. There we go. I hope this just doesn't turn into a sequence where it's very obviously a person on some sort of a mat shot. That would be awkward um, to sit through. Again, in, in this, this is some shit that movie. they would have done in the cartoon. And it only works kind of within that. This is the like best case for some of Batman Forever. Is that it was written by a couple who had written the cartoon. And so, like, that's your best case is that it would have made for... Because, like, to visualize it, it just doesn't work and right. The water just doesn't seep in and wash away nope. most of that slime. Nope, that's <laughs> they not put how in the slime statue. works. The slime, <laughs> it's good slime. It's positively charged. That's actually not Spangler's uniform from... Uh, it wouldn't fit him. That's no, because be what it baggy is... On him. Nope. What it is is, is when they fucked, Janine kept his uniform. <laughs> and she shrank it to like... They, they just fucked him that. <laughs> so, yeah, following this in a cartoon, Lewis just shows up and he's a prominent character is he a ghostbuster 
Like, does he ghost bust? Every now and his figure okay. is suited up, but he does very little ghost busting on the cartoon. Which begs the question, if you could bring Lewis on, how did they not... All the characters were on the cartoon with the exception of Dana. Right. And they do make reference to this in the cartoon. They mentioned Vigo the Carpathian several times. I don't... I don't think this... Like what it's a pep rally. Ghostbusters 2. Get your pep on. Like Jesus. Yeah, how did they know? Ghostbusters that's were gonna not, be That's not the song of New York City. Like <laughs> how did they know that the Ghostbusters were gonna be marching down with inside the Statue of Liberty? Also, why aren't there ghosts fucking up all the shit right now? Yeah. Like, on the way. Oh, wait, there will be one ghost. Oh, look. Wait a minute, what? Hey! Cyber! (laughs) Okay, so, in the four hours that have passed, um... And it just kind of lingered around. Yeah. Dana's just being creeped out. We (laughs) don't. That's the creepy shit. Yeah. It's like Ted Levine. Um, (laughs) Okay. Notice what we're not getting in this Star Trek V hurrying job. We don't get a good shot of the blob leaving the museum. Like. No. Uh oh. All of the fucking like care of the first movie and its effects are gone. It's so <laughs> wild. Because that does look bad. The yeah. part. Hey, but this is cool. Happy New Year. <laughs> Get rid of them. Oh. Uh. We've established those are the positively charged ions, right? Or do we have to hear that Uh again? (laughs) The positively charged ion should have had a great sequence to set that up. There's really a lot in those tanks, too, if they used them to, like... And if you could do that, why didn't you try affecting the River of Slime? with the positively charged, like, to reintroduce it. And that Uh would have done it, too. That would have been a good effect sequence. Uh Uh-oh. It's not usually windy inside. (laughs) Ivan Reitman's been watching his hentai or whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is Randy Edelman action scene Q2. I'm sorry. The Ghostbuster logo on their uniforms has a two on it. 
Yeah, even though in the universe there's no never a reason for it. Okay. Like, okay. Unless even they're acknowledging this is the second coming, but that could have been a thing that they had to incorporate with a different name. That would have been like right. a funny scene. They could have had a good cameo in it. <laughs> this just makes me wish they had created Ron Alexander back then. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been perfect but for between the movies to have his shitty Ghostbusters compete or try to take out Vigo first. That would have been the best Ghostbusters, yeah. too. And an excuse for him to have Chevy in it. So. He <laughs> uh, looks like a Highlander villain. Yep, another 17 years before composite shots didn't look like fucking cartoons. Yeah, because you couldn't paralyze Bankman's mouth. Right. They needed somebody to play Vigo. Like, they should have just got Max Vancito, anyways. He would have been more imposing, at least, you know? Yeah. Using his voice. He's tall enough. I mean, because you can't take. Vigo seriously like as a villain right because you never see no. him like talk in the real sense like there's nothing threatening about him whatsoever no. he's a cosplay he's a he's at a ren fair yeah he's a Dr dungeons and dragons villain yeah <laughs> oh god that's right he becomes pig man <laughs> Okay, so we also missed the shot of the statue falling and not hurting anyone, which this is, is good. <laughs> this is how New York became Escape from New York, New York. Right? <laughs> it directly leads into Escape from New York. <laughs> Isaac Hayes fucking right. kills the, the mayor. Just takes over. Yeah, he kills the fucking mayor or something. <laughs> Kurt Fuller like owes Isaac Hayes money oh. and right. <laughs> something and like he gives up the mayor yeah right. okay. he tells him the mayor's corrupt or some shit so... the mayor's racist you gotta believe it Duke <laughs> okay so here we get Pigman here we get another reminder of the scene with Ray that also goes absolutely nowhere. Yeah, because they just dispatch him. It's almost like the movie's like, dude, we gotta, we gotta keep this going. We gotta wrap this up. Yeah. I don't think there was ever a possessed Ray figure made. 
There? Go, go, go. Oh. Right. Ghostbust the painting. So, it's funny. <laughs> you had two big head villains in 89. You had this and you had Star Trek V. Oh, yeah, God. You don't... <laughs> Big head villains. Nobody likes a big head villain. Well, remember, God wasn't intended to be that. No, but they yeah. had to settle for that. I'm sure they didn't intend Vigo to be that fucking boring. Probably not. Oh God, is it over? It's over. Oh, okay. He was probably intended to be more demonic, but again, or are we watching Ghostbusters? We got to do this for too? the kids. Because Ghostbusters 3 was supposed to be a departure from all of this. It was supposed to be the Ghostbusters go to hell. Oh, is that what that is? I saw, I did a search for Ghostbusters somewhere and I saw that there's like some script by Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, there was Ghostbusters Hellbound and then it was like, okay. initially I guess it was Ghostbusters go to hell and then it was Ghostbusters Hellbound. Did they ever adapt that into a comic? I love those. I don't think so. The uh, they should have. There's actually some that are almost good. What's one that's actually almost good? Oh, RoboCop! That fucking RoboCop! I love that RoboCop one. The RoboCop three. Which one? Uh, Last Stand. I think it's called. Oh, I like that one. I remember there was one Marvel had one back yeah. in the day. I never Marvel, read that one, though. So I read all those. Some of those, there's a good run in there. This is really fucking dumb. What does that yeah. mean? That's because of little three men and a baby. Yep. That's Okay, who gets cut? Uh... <laughs> Air, uh... Yeah. Well, no, they, Rick Moranis they... and Ernie. I... Or did they... See, okay. look, some people are putting up the two sign, so it's like, wait a minute, what? Now we get this weird thing, which is just <laughs> these outtakes from scenes yeah. that we would have rather been watching, I think is what they're going for. Oh, watch who gets a credit, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. And look how long it takes to get to Ernie Hudson again. <laughs> okay. Rick Moranis gets a whole fucking comedy beat. Yeah, a bit. Look at that. Like, look at this shit. Hey. And we've got the I'll be back Bobby for Brown the next playing. sequel. <laughs> they didn't even do them putting it in containment, did they? I don't think so. Okay. Oh, so Kurt Fuller is just supposed to be the William Atherton of this movie. That's the problem. All of their nemesis, Janet Margulin, are William Atherton types. Oh, yeah. Which is why they put him back in the comic book. And Slimer! Slimer! In a circular thing for some reason? Well, that was from the cut scene. Uh, Okay. What you call him? 
Lewis was supposed to have one of those visors on looking for him, and he's, you know. Okay. Why is there all the dancing? Was this intentional? Outtakes. Okay. (laughs) So they got, we also are going to reveal here that they get the statue back, which is important because it's got to be there. there. That there was a whole sequence that was cut where they get the key to the city and all that shit. There was a whole ceremony and Slimer, like the first movie, was supposed to fly out and go into the camera. Some people claim that actually happened when they saw it, which Mm. I don't believe that shit. Now we once again have a sampling of the soundtrack, which wasn't bad. I mean... For 89. Right. They got a they got Bobby Brown. They got Run DMC. This is Dougie Fresh. There's a song from I think Elton John on the soundtrack. This is back when soundtracks were hot. Yeah. It's like six minutes of credits. Um soundtracks (laughs) available on what was it? RCA Columbia. But we got to check. I think this one was an RCA. We'll have to see. Um, Because, yeah, usually it was because of... um, There's a lot of record mates are on this. Um, Yeah, Conglomerate. New Edition has a song on here. It was like... It was a way of doing like a... You couldn't release a... You couldn't sell singles... Like, they never turned signals into, like, a thing, really. It was just, even for how little they, it probably cost to make things at bulk, singles were a thing at this era. Like, you remember the cassette singles? But they never took off oh, yeah. the way they wanted. And so no. w- what you got on the soundtrack album, though, was is you got all those singles in one place. There we go, the other Bobby Brown song. We're back. And I mean, this is the year of Batman, too. Let's not forget. This yeah. is the year that... Batman legitimized right. these type of soundtracks. Before this, I think the only, like, pulpery soundtrack that really did it was uh, Fast Times. Oh, yeah. Um, this was ILM woof like <laughs> well they were all a, over the place this yeah, summer not a good like, summer for ILM the summer of 89 was not a good summer because they did they saved all the good shit for Indiana Jones didn't they yeah yeah they did and I think what back to the future because back to the future 2 was they were working it came on out in 89 that. but I don't think it came out the summer of 89 no, it didn't come out the summer um because they also did, did they do Star Trek or did somebody else have to do Star Trek? There was a problem, right? Yeah. Because they it was rushed and yeah, because they were remember, doing Indiana Jones, I think. Yeah, I was reading that they they had a particular effects house do it and then they didn't like what they did. Oh, so plus 200 other artists and technicians at ILM. Yeah. 
Oh, here we go. Run DMC's Ghostbusters, which nobody ever uses. <laughs> On our own, Bobby mm-hmm. Brown. <laughs> oh, Glenn Fry for Glenn white people. Fry. <laughs> Jackie will, uh, yeah, Jackie Wilson, higher and higher. Yeah. Howard Huntsbury. Howard Huntsbury. Dougie Fresh. Spirit. Dougie Fresh. Boingo, Boingo. Hello, Boingo. We're back. Bobby Brown. For B Brown Productions, MCA Records. So it was an MCA joint. Yep. No CD okay. yet. No. I like this bit, though, here. This bit of Randy Adelman. Yeah. Even though it's not very Ghostbusters centric. No, it's just, but yeah. It's any kind of action movie, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it's any pretty. Any adventure picture. Yeah, like it's the chill theme with some. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Mary Ellen Trainer. Jason Reitman. Jason Reitman. Daddy Gadam is a SAG card. Dave Flores. Catherine Reitman. Richard Fornagy. Who's that one guy? Cheech. Cheech. Brian Doyle Murphy. Ben Stein. Philip Baker Hall. Oh. oh, he doesn't have a name, so his name could very well be Sydney. Danny ALO3 did some stunts here. Um, Sven. Sven Thorson. Sven. Arnold. Oh, oh boy. shit. Sven. <laughs> It's it's the uh, fours. It's the fours. <laughs> oh man! See, I like this. Yeah, this is fun. I don't dislike Randy Edelman. I just don't think it didn't match the needs, movie as much. It needed to match the movie, and it needed to be like the Elmer Bernstein music does a lot. For the first one this doesn't do as much as a jerry goldsmith jerry goldsmith would have no. done a better job it would have been more prominent in the movie like you yeah. remember bernstein's theme here it's just kind of a uh, yeah it's not even there no it's it just exists because you need a score i guess yeah <laughs> but who knows maybe bernstein was booked like eh, troubled I production. I mean, you know, troubled production. What are you gonna do? Yeah, I don't. I always enjoyed Ghostbusters too, even when people were sort of shitting on it. It's it just, it might not have been as good as the first one, but I'd watch that again over Afterlife. <laughs> I mean, it's so. This is kind of the era of the sort of just fine, bad movie in a different way like blockbusters still had some spectacle to them and they had like a sense of scale so like the event picture you know yeah this was a tentpole back then so tentpoles could be lackluster and still and i remember i remember seeing it like the day it dropped at the uh went to the old orchard Oh yeah, the old one. You know, 
the the big one. Was that one of the last Act things House, they had too. there? No. They No, they they went out in the what late 90s, 90s. Late 90s. The last movie I saw there so that was, was the first X-Men, I think. So yeah, so like Ghostbusters 2 would have been the height of that. Yeah. Place. Especially that summer. Yeah. Remember the old old shit? They went all out though. Because when that, I remember when Return of the Jedi came there, they had all the shit in the lobby, the lobby cards and the the stand-ups and shit. If you didn't have a cell phone to look at when you were waiting in a public place, the world was a very different place. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I miss that theater, the old old orchard. Yeah. Man. The new old orchard sucks. The new old orchard. They should have never poured on they should have never got rid of the old one. Yeah, especially since everybody wanted IMAX space eventually. Like I don't know. Yeah, getting rid of all these old seeing, movie places with giant screens. It seems like you can yeah. put IMAX in there. Like seeing Independence Day there, and the screen was already big enough, and they had that huge auditorium. Just oh yeah. <sighs> well, kids, you you don't know nothing about that. Uh, no. Multiplexes today. But they little Roach Motel Theater. Yep. Just as long as the digital projection is sharp enough. Um, Uh Whatever. I mean, in some ways, Uh the youth never (laughs) has had to watch Ghostbusters 2 pan and scan at least. Um, No, yeah. There's a whole generation that will never know what it used to look like when it played on HBO or some shit. There's a whole generation that wonders. Why the fuck isn't Ernie Hudson doing more? Why is he just standing there? <laughs> uh, well, the thing is, what sucks is that they're more familiar with the movie now than because real Ghostbusters. Yeah, there's no. It was on. They they don't play that anymore. Like I guess you could watch it on YouTube or something, but right, like there's there's nowhere for that old shit. And nobody plays that stuff. Nobody figured out a way to make that a feature of American animation. Like the the home video release, right? Like you've got mm-hmm. anime and shit and people were eventually trained to just get season sets of anime or however the fuck they do that, right? Like so yeah. there's a way of doing that. There's a way people do that. They're a way of fans of that that like animated serialized shit do that, and American shit never figured it out. Never. No. It's incredible. Like they just. That's why there's so many cartoons that are just lost. Yeah, you just They're just gone. Didn't try to keep that audience for that thing. You didn't. I don't know what it was really like. There well, was a sense of the new. There was a real sense of the new in the Well, 80s. that was it. Because Cartoon Network started as kind of this... It was supposedly for just rerunning all the old shit. And then right. they started bringing in their original shit. And they said, okay, we've got this spinoff network called Boomerang, which was specifically supposed to be for that older shit. But somewhere in the 2000s, they decided, you know what? We don't play these certain shows on Cartoon Network anymore, so let's put them on Boomerang. <laughs> so now Boomerang is just kind of a cast-off of Cartoon Network, and they don't play 
any classic shows hardly unless it's like Tom and Jerry or Flintstones shit that they play over and over again. And it's well, weird. Yeah, but I mean, you can't really it would be hard to get new audiences for Tom and Jerry. Eh. You would have to be well, careful. You would have to start in the 60s. And that's a that's another problem. Like, you know, they since the 90s there's been this watered down version of Tom and Jerry. Like of the 100 something episodes, you could probably only play maybe 40 of them now. <laughs> so um cuz they edited a lot of them. Yeah, and that just brings up the whole you need to certain have. ones just cannot play, period. <laughs> you you just That's, need yeah, you just need to figure out the fucking there's a lot of that old school shit that's been eliminated. Yeah. You know, they don't play Popeye like they used to or you need that boot. what do you call it? For the um I don't know, you have the fucking scholar class or some shit. I don't know yeah. to unlock it, but it's basically an age slash content thing. Um yeah. and you just have fucking I mean, the thing is nobody wants to say what's in it, and maybe you <laughs> need to say what's in it so people can decide whether or not they want to, but anyway, or if you want to go that route. But with like real Ghostbusters. That brand yeah. didn't survive. Like, there was no... Uh, it, was, it was around for as long as Ghostbusters was kind of popular at the time, you know? It, but, I mean, how long did it last it, into the 90s? Well, the cartoon started in 86. I think the, it ended in 91. And it did have kind of a rerun cycle because it ran on Cartoon Express for a minute. So that was about... To, I would say the mid to late 90s because Cartoon Express ran until maybe 95, I think, 95, 96. And then that oh, was the point where they were bringing in their original cartoons too. So, okay. And then it came back for Fox Family Channel from 98 to 99. Right. And so that was kind of, but yeah, I mean, so you could have a rerun thing, but it just doesn't. I don't know. It's just a weird thing with keeping shit alive. Oh, J. Michael Straczynski wrote some of it. All right. Yeah. yeah okay. They had some quality episodes of that show, though. They had a lot it's of really fucking episodes. One. And it's one of those ones where the first season was a hit, and then they were like, you go write us a bunch of these fuckers. And they did 65 seasons, their second episode, their second season, 65 episodes. What was and bad, they, though? Of course, the turn was the switch from Lorenzo Music to Dave Coulier as Dave Bankman. Dave fucking Coulier. Like, that's when you know the quality of the episodes aren't going to be that great. When, when Peter Venkman talks like this. <laughs> and it was all Bill Murray's fault, too. <laughs> so that he claimed, you know, Lorenzo Music sounded too much like Garfield, mm. I guess. And which is ironic because he turned around and played Garfield. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that was kind of his apology or something. But again, the voice, I don't know. Lorenzo Music as Vankman isn't necessarily a, it's not a Bill Murray impression, but it's more in tune with the actual character of Peter Vankman. Right. So it doesn't have to sound like Bill Murray. Right. And as we've just seen, it's not like there was much of a character there 
between movies. Anyway, um, so next time we will be starting. I hear the footstumps now. Yep. On the island of the skull. (laughs) We are going to do Dino De Laurentiis' King Kong and King Kong Lives. We will not be doing the extended TV cut, but we will talk about it. Oh, yeah. So get get your popcorn ready, kids. Yep. Get your uh, banana-flavored popcorn ready. (laughs) Yep. (sighs) It's going to be a doozy with Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lange and... Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin and Linda Hamilton and... Brian Kerwin. Brian Kerwin and Rick Baker. (laughs) But not in the second one, where King no, Kong and Lady Kong one. get the top billing to make up for the fact that there's nobody in the fucking cast of note. Uh, <laughs> sorry, was that out loud? Okay, so that'll be next time on 709 Meridian. Good night, y'all. <laughs>